Father, thank you that you speak to us, that you reveal yourself to us. Thank you that we have your word in front of us, even right now, to open up. And I pray that we would be humble servants as we listen to you now. Would you please have your way in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What kind of a person is God looking for? It might be strange to think of God looking for something because we might think, well, does God need anything? Well, in one sense, no, God doesn't need anything. But in another sense, God is looking for something in us. There's this awesome verse in 2 Chronicles 16.9. It says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth. God's looking. He's scanning the globe. What's he looking for? It says, To strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. That's what God is doing. When God looks over the earth and his eyes land on you, what will he see? Will he see faith? Will he see humility? Will he see somebody who is committed to doing things his way and not yours? These are key questions for us. And I believe that they're also key questions in the book of 1 Samuel. What we learn as we study 1 Samuel, which is, what, by the way, what we're doing here, and we're, we're in week three of a nine-week sermon series in the book of uh, 1 Samuel. We're looking just at the first 17 chapters. I'm going to be taking a couple Sundays off in this series, so it'll, we have about two months left. You have plenty of time to read this and reread this on your own. And what we're doing specifically is we're looking at the faith or the lack of faith of the main characters so that we can learn from them. And the question that I want to be asking you now is, what kind of person are you going to be? What commitment are you going to have to live life God's way? So far in 1 Samuel, we've learned a few important facts. In chapter 1, we learned that God hears. This wonderful story of Hannah, who was barren. She couldn't have kids, and she was distraught about it. So she went to God, took her prayer request to him, and God, in his mercy, heard her prayer request and gave her not just one child, Samuel, but later on, five other children as well. It's one of the most stunning things we can learn about God, the fact that he hears us and that he cares about what's going on in our lives. And in the second chapter, we see what I think might be a key verse for the entire book. I I like to do that when I study a book, pick out one or two verses that stand as a key verse. And I'm leaning towards the end of chapter 2, verse 30, is that key verse so far. It says, this is God speaking, Those who honor me I will honor, but those who despise me will be disdained. Those who honor me I will honor, but those who despise me will be disdained or dishonored. What we've seen so far is that God is pleased when his people walk by faith and that he's ready to bless them. But we also see the negative consequences when people don't walk by faith. In our passage today in chapter 3, we're going to look at Samuel and we're going to investigate his faith. And we're going to ask these questions about him. Is he willing to submit himself to God, to honor him, to listen to him? And I'll give away the end of the story because this is one of the more famous passages in 1 Samuel. But yeah, Samuel does listen to God. Samuel does honor him. And we'll see the results of that not just today, but as we go on, the the blessings that come in Samuel's life and in the life of all Israel because of his faithfulness. The result is that we see a transformation from Samuel as a little boy serving the Lord into a prophet 
respected all throughout Israel. But remember, again, like I said in the children's sermon, this is, this is a little boy at this time. So we're looking at a hero of the faith, but we're actually looking at him when he's quite young. And, and may that just stand as a reminder for us, both of what God is looking for in childlike faith, but then also that it doesn't take superhero capacities to have faith. It really just takes faith to have faith. So we're going to walk through 1 Samuel 3 today, and I want us not only to understand the story, but also to grapple ourselves with these questions of will we listen to and honor God? I'm going to start off with verse 1. So 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. We start off here with a troubling statement. It says, the word of the Lord was rare. And as much as we might like to know why it was rare, it it doesn't say specifically in these verses. But what we do know in general from looking at how God reveals himself is that sometimes God stops talking to people who he knows wouldn't listen to him anyway. So that's what it says here. The word of the Lord was rare. There weren't many visions. God just was not revealing himself to the people. We know also from from the storyline of the Bible here, we're following the time from the book of Judges. And at the end of the book of Judges, it says that everybody went his own way. It was certainly not a high time in the life of Israel's faith. And what it looks like then is as a judgment, God withheld his word from the people. Let's look at verses 2 and 3. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Here we see Eli, he's growing old, and and a lot of the commentators like to say that perhaps his physical eyesight is kind of a metaphor for his spiritual eyesight, which was also failing. We we looked at Eli last week, and there were some good things about him, but there were some bad things about him as well, and we'll see more of the same again in this chapter. We also see Samuel faithfully attending the temple. And it looks like, we don't know this for sure, but it looks like he was following the Old Testament law about keeping the lamps lit in the temple. Okay, let's go on then to 4 to 9. And this is the famous part of the passage. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli, said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. When God called Samuel, Samuel didn't recognize the voice. He thought it was Eli talking to him. And remember, the word of the Lord was rare here, so that's why Samuel didn't know that it was God talking to him. Twice, God called Samuel, Samuel thought it was Eli, and Eli said, go back to bed. Now at this point in the story, I can really relate with Eli, with a young person coming and waking me up in the middle of the night and saying, go back to bed. But Samuel was very compliant here. So you kids learn that lesson. When your parents tell you to go back to bed, you go back to bed, okay? (laughs) Then we see this interesting line in verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, 
The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. There is an important link in that verse, and we'll see it again, an important link between knowing God and the word of God being revealed. And we'll touch on that more in a bit. But for now, I just want, to know, I want you to know that God is made known through his word. Then the Lord called Samuel a third time, and this time, finally, Eli figured out what was happening. He said, it's not me that's calling you, it's probably God that's calling you. So if he calls you again, tell him that you'll listen to him. So Samuel did. He, he took Eli's advice. He went and laid down again, and God called him again. Let's look at verse 10. The Lord came and stood there, calling us at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. So Samuel, again, took Eli's advice, and he said to God, Speak, for your servant is listening. And I want to emphasize Samuel's humility in that verse. First of all, he calls himself your servant. He, he comes to God with the proper attitude of not demanding something from God, but saying, God, if there's something that you want from me, here I am, I'm your servant, what would you have me do? And in that sense, Samuel points ahead to Jesus, the humble servant. There's that wonderful passage in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, where it talks about Jesus emptying himself and coming and taking the form of a servant. That's the attitude that we should all be having before God. Not this attitude of, God, you owe me something, but this attitude of, God, whatever you want for me, I'll do. And then also, I, I just want to point out about verse 10, Samuel told God that he would listen him. Back in chapter 2, Eli's sons, who were also priests, were punished for not listening. They were rebuked for their sin, but they didn't listen to it, and, and God put them to death for it. So here we see Samuel as a contrast, a man willing to, a boy, willing to listen to the word of the Lord. And then we see God's message for Samuel, verses 11 to 14. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. At that time I will carry out, carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering." God told Samuel that he would indeed do what he had already promised to do back in chapter 2. Remember, the man of God came and delivered a message against Eli. And now God speaks to Samuel and says the same thing. I'm going to do what I told you that I would do before. And just to recap, Eli's sons were wicked priests. And Eli not only failed to restrain them, that's the message here, but also it looks like we saw last week that Eli joined in with his, sin, with his sons in their sins that they were doing things with the offering they weren't supposed to do, and Eli joined in with him. Yes, he did rebuke his sons, but that rebuke came too late. It says of Eli's sons here in 3.13 that they made themselves contemptible. Now that phrase, made themselves contemptible, really means that they brought dishonor on themselves. The word contemptible is the opposite of the word for glory. So think of it, they were priests. It was their job to honor and glorify God. Yet they chose to try to honor themselves. And the end result is that they were dishonored. 
They were disdained. And that's what God said again. Those who honor me I will honor, but those who despise me will be disdained. God's bringing true his word in the lives of Eli's wicked sons. As a result, God promised to judge the house of Eli. Verse 14, I want to read it again. Therefore I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Now that might sound harsh, but God was just following what he said he would do in his word. In Numbers 15.30 it says, But anyone who sins defiantly, whether native-born or alien, blasphemes the Lord, and that person must be cut off from his people. And then one verse later it says, His guilt remains on him. That's why there was judgment on Eli's sons and on the whole house of Eli. And we need to learn a lesson here. This is a lesson that I've mentioned before. I just want to make sure that we get it. I mentioned it last week, but sin is serious. We must not let it hang around in our lives. If, if we sense that God might be pointing out something in our lives that's sin, we need to listen. If we don't, the results are tragic. Look what happened here to Eli and his sons. They didn't listen to God's rebuke on them. The result was death. Now there's good news too. We know from the rest of the Bible that when God brings rebuke, that we can, in humility, repent of our sins. And if we do, we can experience the blessing of forgiveness. And if we choose to flee from the wrong path and get on the right path, that we can live in a life of blessing with God in a relationship with him. But in our story today, that's not what happened. Eli and his sons chose the wrong path, and now it was time for judgment. Now, think about this from Samuel's perspective. Again, Samuel's just a young boy, and this is the first time he's heard from the Lord. And the message that the Lord has for him is, you need to rebuke your mentor. The guy who raised you, tell him that his end is coming. This is a crucial moment for Samuel. Would he be faithful? God was surely watching to see. Now as we go on, we read in verse 15, it says, Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. So he didn't look excited to give this message. Verses 16 and 17. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What was it he said to you, Eli asked? Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. Now again, Eli is not one of the heroes of the Bible. But here at least we see a a faithful response from him. He said, tell me what God said. Don't hide anything from me. What, What will Samuel do? Will he be faithful? Well, verse 18 tells us, So Samuel told him everything hiding nothing from him. Samuel passed the test. He told Eli everything. He showed himself to be a person who not only heard the word of God, but also who did what it said. His message lined up with what the man of God said in chapter 2. So Samuel, who was set apart to serve the Lord as a young boy, was now showing himself to be a faithful prophet, one who could handle the word of God rightly. Oftentimes, false prophets would deliver only messages that the people wanted to hear. But here, Samuel is showing himself as a true prophet, one who would honor God by listening to and doing his word. 
And this reminds me of what Jesus said at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Remember that, that famous passage where he was talking about the wise and the foolish builders? It's interesting to me to note how similar the two circumstances are in that little parable that he told. There was a wise builder and a foolish builder. They were both building a house. Both of them faced the wind and the rain, and both of them heard the words of Jesus. There was only one thing that was different. It says that the wise builder heard the word of Jesus and put them into practice, whereas the foolish builder heard the words of Jesus but did not put them into practice. (coughs) Now, we'll talk more about listening to the word of God in a moment, but right now, I want to make sure that we're people who are willing to do what God's word says. That takes faith. And I was thinking, it would be really neat if we just had an open microphone time. We're not going to do this, but maybe you can do it uh, in your small groups or as you gather with each other. But to think of a time in your life where God's word said something to you that you didn't really want to hear. Where God called you to something, whether that was a specific sin that you needed to get rid of or a step of faith that you needed to take. Uh, Can you think of a time in your life where God's word said something and you didn't want to do it? but you knew that you had to do it if you wanted to honor God. It takes effort on our part. Actually, I was thinking it takes intestinal fortitude on our part sometimes. Sometimes we just have to say, sinful nature, you don't get your way this time. I'm going to follow God on this one. I think that's what we see Samuel here doing. He didn't want to tell Eli this message, but he showed himself to be a faithful man, somebody that God could trust, somebody that God could use. Okay, there's another important part of verse 18 to deal with. Um, In the NIV it says, then Eli said, but the Hebrew just simply says, then he said. Then he said, he is the Lord, let him do what is good in his eyes. Now I'll be honest with you, and I just don't know for sure who's talking here, whether it's Samuel or Eli. So I'm just going to treat it as if it were both of them. First we'll look at if it's Samuel saying this. If, this, if these are Samuel's words, he gave the prophecy, and then he gave his own little commentary at the end. And basically his little commentary was, hey, he's God. He's the one who gets to decide what's right and wrong. Let's let him do what he needs to do. Now, most people think that it was Eli saying these words, and, and this is probably where I lean to. And I, I always thought just it was, because I read the NIV and it says Eli, so I always thought this was Eli. And if it's Eli, it actually stands as a really astonishing moment of faith. Because here's Eli saying, coming to this realization and saying, he's God and I'm not. And if I've done something wrong, he has every right to judge me. It was this moment I think of, if these are Eli's words, it's this, everything has finally come to a head now and I realize, whoa, I've sinned against God. I've offended him. And there's nothing that I can do He's God. Let him do what's good in his eyes. And again, this, this is where we need to learn this lesson on sin. I, this, this verse has oftentimes stood out to me, just this sense of, if there's anything that I'm doing wrong, why do we sin? Because we think that we can get away with it, right? Because either we think that it's okay for me to do it, or God doesn't see, or God doesn't care. We choose a sinful path, and we basically thumb our noses at God and say, whatever. I would rather have us have this attitude towards sin where we despise it. Where we realize how how odious it is in God's nose. 
and we, we realize that he has every right to do what he wants to do if we live in sin. So a few questions here. How do you view sin? Do you despise it? <coughs> Wouldn't it be great if we had a congregation full of people that despised sin? Not that we looked at other people when they sin and looked down at them. No, 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 not, not at all. That's, that would be a sin, I think. But rather, I'm thinking, wouldn't it be great if all of us just had this attitude towards sin of saying, I don't want it in my life. I'm going to be humble enough before God to say, if there's sin in my life, that I want it gone right now. So do you despise sin, or do you tolerate it? Tolerating sin is what Eli did. And that didn't go very well for him. How quickly do you repent of your sins when God points them out to you? How quick are you to say, you're right, God. I wasn't. And I want to be rid of my sin now. I hope and pray that we're people like that, that we deal with sin that way. One of the important lessons we need to learn from chapter 3 is that if we dishonor God, that we are in danger of being dishonored. Again, 2.30 says, Those who honor me I will honor, but those who despise me will be disdained. Eli and his sons dishonored God, and they received punishment for it. Samuel, on the other hand, again, the young boy Samuel, chose the path of honoring God. And let's look at what happened for him. Verse 19, reading through the end of the chapter. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And then just the first part of the next verse. And Samuel's word came to all Israel. Because, God, excuse me, because Samuel showed himself to be faithful to God's word, God let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. You see, this is who God is. He wants to reveal himself to his people. And he found a faithful messenger here, and he used that messenger to bring his word to all Israel. And not only do we see that God sustained Samuel's words, but we also see that wonderful phrase in there, the Lord was with Samuel. It's a word picture of what we call a relationship with God. It's a fantastic, phenomenal thing about God that He wants a relationship with us. He wants to be with us. So Samuel honored God, and the result was that God was with Samuel. That's the kind of relationship that I hope that we all strive for, that on our end, we honor Him. And the result is a life lived with God and the blessings that he gives. Another result for Samuel is that he became recognized as a prophet throughout all Israel. All Israel ended up being, ended up being blessed because of him, and we'll see that in the coming weeks. And then one other note, this is the one that I mentioned earlier in verse 7, but it repeats itself here in verse 21, where we see that God revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Because again, there is a strong link between knowing God and God's word being made known. God is a God who wants to be made known. He takes great pleasure in making himself known. Think about this. Why did God send Jesus? Because he wants us to know him. What's one of the words, one of the names for Jesus in the Bible? The word. God sent Jesus because he wanted us to be able to look at him 
and to read about him and say, that's what God is like. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him so that we could behold the truth of who God is and have a relationship with him. Or think about the Bible, God's word. Why is it that God in his sovereignty has deemed that we should have his word carried out through the generations and now in our hands? It's because he wants us to know him. D.A. Carson calls God the talking God. And isn't that amazing? I think oftentimes people picture God as being up in heaven hiding from people. But actually the truth is that God loves for us to know him. That's why Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, seek and you will find. And, and don't get that one wrong. It's not as if God is playing some cosmic game of hide and seek where he, he hides up in heaven and we have to get up to him on our own. No, there's no way that we could know God unless he came down to us and revealed himself to us. And that is precisely what he has done in Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus came. Yes, to die on the cross for our sins so that we could understand that God wants us to be cleansed from our sins, to flee from sin, to receive Christ and have a relationship with him. But in the midst, woven through all of that is the fact simply that God wants us to know him. God wants us to know him and therefore he gives his word to us. what we see in 1 Samuel 3 is that Samuel was humble and therefore God revealed his word to him. God's word brings life. John 17.3 Jesus says, This is eternal life that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. The idea is that God reveals himself to us so we can know him and have life. But who does he do that for? For the humble. And here's my big idea for today. God is pleased to reveal himself to the humble. God is pleased to reveal himself to the humble. I asked at the beginning, what kind of a person is God looking for? And I want to ask you again now, what kind of a person will you be? Will you, like Samuel, be humble? Will you take the position of servant? Too often we try to direct our own lives. And we know that God has something that he wants us to hear, but we have our own ideas. Will you be a humble servant? Another important question then, since God reveals himself through his word, will you listen to God's word? How did God reveal himself in 1 Samuel 3? Through his word. This is who God is. He wants us to know him. I hope that every single one of you in here has the desire to know God better. Well, how does that happen with him? It happens as we spend time with him. That's true of any relationship that we have with any person. And it's true of our relationship with God. If we want to get to know him better, we need to be spending time with him. And one of the best ways that I know of how to spend time with God is by reading his word. So one, I think something that we should be doing regularly, and I... I've often said here we should be doing daily is opening up God's word with humble hearts and saying to him, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. 
It's, to me, it's just such a wonderful word picture of so much of what God calls us to in this life as humble servants willing to listen to him, letting his word direct our lives. And we say to him, God, I'm ready to listen. I'm ready to have you do whatever you need to do in my life to make me into the person you want me to be. And then we read his word and we ask him through the Holy Spirit to let us know what it means and let us know how it applies to our lives. God's word makes a claim on us. God's word not only tells us who God is, but it tells us who he wants us to be. So what I'm telling you here is I'm not just challenging you to spend X minutes per day in the Bible. I'm challenging you to get to know God better through his word. To humble yourself before him and say, okay God, teach me, show me. I'll listen to you. Again, Samuel's words are so wonderful. Speak for your servant is listening. Will you listen to God? Through God's word, he wants to change us into who he wants us to be. That's why Jesus prayed in John 17, 17, sanctify them, make them holy by the truth. Your word is truth. I also believe, as it says in the Bible, that all scripture is God-breathed. That's in 2 Timothy 3, 16. It goes on to say there that because it's God-breathed, it is useful And one of the results is that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If we want to know God, we need to be humble. There's no (laughs) other way around. You can't know God and not be humble. Because to know Him is to recognize that we are the servants and He is the Master. And if we really want to be humble, we should listen to God's Word. So the question I have for you now is what's your plan? Uh, has anybody been keeping track? I haven't been of how many times over the last five and a half years that I've challenged you to get to know God better through His Word. Uh, some of you, I'm, I was just trying to think in my mind, not not anybody in particular, but just in general, what people might say is I, I gave this challenge again to be listening to God through His Word. Some of you might be saying, Eric, we've heard it before. Okay, you, can't you go on to something else and, you know teach us some other things about God? Well, okay, I will. But I'm going to keep coming back to this one. Let's know God by listening to his word. I think some of you might be saying too, you know, Eric, I agree. Boy, wouldn't that be wonderful if I could do that, if I could have the willpower to do it, if I could actually find the time and the day to do it, and I've tried to do it at other times, and sometimes I make it for two weeks, and I stop, and I go for months without... For some of you, maybe it's just a matter of having that willpower or that humble submission to God and saying to him, God, would you help me do this? I want to listen to your word. Would you, would you help me? We talked about praying continually. Maybe that's one of the things that you need to be praying for is that renewed commitment to meeting with God and his word. Or, or I thought of somebody else who might say, I'm just not a reader. You know, I I like God. uh, I like to worship Him. I'm just not a person who sits down and reads books. And believe me, I get that one. I understand that one fully. I don't don't like to read books. I don't don't really read books, you know, outside of the Bible and and some Christian books that I I feel are good for me every once in a while. But uh, the reason that I'm such a fan of reading God's Word is because it's not my idea, but it's His. It's God speaking to us. 
And, and God got through to me when I was somewhere in high school and convinced me of the power of his word if I were to simply open it up and humble myself before him. So I want to encourage you again to be committed, active, daily reading God's word. Letting it change you. So what's your plan? How are you going to make that happen in your life? In 1 Samuel 3, God chose the humble. And think about that. In chapter 2, we saw Eli's wicked sons who chose to honor themselves. And what did God do? He got rid of those priests. And he raised up Samuel, who was humble, who was a servant. He proved himself to be somebody who would listen to the word of God and do what it says. May we take that cue from Samuel. May we be humble servants. May we listen to and honor the word of God. Because God is still pleased to reveal himself to the humble. Would you pray with me? God, first, we want to thank you for revealing yourself to us. I don't even want to think about how lost we would be if you didn't do that. So God, we praise you that you delight in making yourself known. But as we've seen today, God, both from the faith of Samuel and from the lack of faith of Eli's sons, that you reveal yourself to the humble. You make yourself known to those who will be your servants. So God, I pray that we would be humble before you, whatever that means. And God, I know that sometimes that means things that are uncomfortable for us if we submit to you and to your plans. But I pray that we would all have the faith to come before you, even right now, and say, God, have your way in my life. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. May we be people who listen to you and who honor you. And may we be people who are committed to hearing you through your word. God, thanks for who you are and how you lead us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.